Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today is another jam-packed training and nutrition Q&A. We're going to talk about uh, intermittent fasting during quarantine. Can you do that? Is that uh, effective? We're going to talk about protein and specific macro counts. We are going to talk about mobility or active recovery versus foam rolling. We're going to talk about a keto diet for somebody who has HBA axis dysfunction and whether we think that's actually a good idea. And then we even get into some funny personality questions about our favorite movies and shows. I think you guys are really going to like this conversation. It is just casual and it is straight to the point Q&A like always. If you enjoy this show, make sure you do me a huge favor and help me grow the reach and reach more people to help impact the world. And you can directly help me help people. And the best way to do that is to take a screenshot of the show, head over to Instagram, post it on your story, tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom. And if you haven't yet, leave us a five-star rating and review. Last but not least, if you need any supplements, please check out our sponsors, Top Notch Nutrition. If you click the link in the description, you can actually save 10 to 15% off. Without any further ado, let's jump into the Q&A. Shout out to all the people sending in questions because one of the coolest things that I've noticed as the podcast has grown is the frequency at which I have to ask for questions has lowered significantly. Dope. Like we'd go weeks without me posting for questions for the podcast. And I, and then I realized like, man, people are just sending in their questions. Like that's fucking awesome. Cause it means they're listening and, and they want more. Yeah. Um, but every once in a while I do post and I'm like, Hey, give me your questions so we can get some good ones and everything. Um, like these ones are coming from the TCM family, but, um, but yeah, shout out to everybody listening. Thank you guys for helping us reach a million downloads. Um, that was really cool. And uh, <laughs> that was really cool. cool. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to the, the four-minute mile episode. I think there were some good takeaways from that. But I'm excited to keep growing this thing. We're already masterminding how we can make this even better for you and deliver more value. And uh, up is the only way. So it's just going to continue getting better. Amen. All right. So we're going to do uh, first question here is from Claudia Ramirez. What's your take on intermittent fasting during these stay-home times? I think intermittent fasting can it, – it really depends on the individual because I, I don't care what time it is, whether we're in quarantine or not. I won't use it if somebody is like a high-stress individual or I suspect they have chronically elevated cortisol levels, like their cortisol levels are always jacked up. Um, which typically means like if I have somebody who has really bad sleep issues, if I have somebody who's not recovering well, if I have somebody who, um, wants to build muscle, uh, like that's their main goal or somebody who just has a really high stress lifestyle, even if they don't have a high stress lifestyle, but they just can't handle stress. Yeah. Well, we all know those people, their life doesn't seem crazy, but they just perceive stress at a higher level and they get anxiety easier. The last thing I'm going to do is intermittent fasting because intermittent fasting increases cortisol it is a stressor on the body um, which makes sense because a lot of people are like oh i feel more alert when i fast well the reason you feel alert is because cortisol goes up so adrenaline goes up so you have more clarity and uh, energy to do whatever you're doing but 
over time, that chronically elevated cortisol level that is keeping you going is not a healthy thing. Yeah. So for those individuals, I would just say no. Now, that being said, I have some individuals who I think do handle stress well, um, and we are using intermittent fasting in this quarantine, and, and we never have before. And, and I'm not a huge proponent of fasting, but I've been using it more because there's some people where it's like you don't have work you're less busy, it's it's easy to snack or constantly eat. So it's like, hey, let's restrict to just having two meals a day. Um, and it's easier to do that way. Or like because their training window has changed, you can control more of the day. And like I have one client who has uh, – they're working from home and they have to do a lot of deep work. So it's like, hey, wake up, have coffee, don't eat anything, just crank out as much work as you can. You're going to have a, a really big meal for lunch, work out three hours later, and then you're going to have a huge dinner. Um, and because she's a smaller female, she's super busy throughout the day and she's trying to cut, we don't have a ton of calories, but when you split those calories up into just two meals, it feels like she's eating huge meals. So she feels very satiated. She has more room to have like high fat meats and stuff in those meals. Cause she has more calories to play with. Yeah. Um, and it works for her cause she stays on point and she doesn't have, I mean, she meditates, she gets enough sleep. So I'm not worried about her stress levels. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good, I think it's a good strategy if you can manage stress and if your goal is fat loss or maintenance, um, if it allows you to avoid snacking, I feel like it's very, very 50, 50. Um, most of the people we're working with are doing really well at home, um, because they have more control over the diet now. So we've seen, we're seeing a lot of success with our nutrition clients. Um, but I also think part of that is because they have so much accountability they're in touch with us all the time. Whereas I've heard from followers and people DMing me and stuff like that. There's some people it's complete opposite. They're, they're struggling because they can't stop like snacking because they're yeah. just home all the time. Um, and I think if you don't have accountability, then it's, it's harder to not just snack all the time. Um, and for everybody, I mean, even for me, like the hardest time for me, uh, to like really dial in is honestly, uh, so I feel for moms, the more I feed Blakely, the the harder it is because like I'll be getting her like yogurt or something and there's like you know like leftover on the spoon I'll just eat it real quick or like I'm getting her her goldfish and she wants me to eat one I'm like okay so I'll eat goldfish with her and then I'm like oh shit I just ate 20 goldfish like you don't think about it but by the end of the day those things add up now I'm trying to gain weight so I don't really care right now but um but snacking at home when you're just around your kids or you're like especially for the moms who are homeschooling right now it can be more difficult. So I think intermittent fasting is a good strategy because it kind of just eliminates your opportunities to eat if you restrict to just having those meals. But that can also work well without fasting if you just really sit down and go, okay, I'm only going to eat at these times. And I actually recommend most people do that with their fat loss diets anyway because if you're grazing and snacking, you're way more likely to have inaccurate macros and go above your calorie consumption for the day. So for me, like I know I have – four meals per day at the exact same time, no matter what. And I have one protein bar. Like that's like my daily routine and I only eat at those times. So I know I eat at seven, 10, one, and then dinner. And it's just like, that's it. And then I have like a snack at night. So it's like five. Root beer. Root beer. Um, Two diet cans of root beer. Uh, But the point is, is like I don't eat between those meals because I know, no, 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 I'm eating at this time. So I'm not going to eat right now. Um, and it avoids me going over my calories because I have my set meal times. And that's actually better for energy expenditure, insulin sensitivity, fat loss, stuff like that too. Um, but I think for some people right now, intermittent fasting might help you stick to the script. I, might, I think it might help eliminate the chance of, of kind of grazing throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and it might help some individuals who are not used to working from home. Um, I know a lot of people who are 
working from home now and it's hard for them to stay focused. So you might want that initial increase of cortisol to keep you your adrenaline up and keep you focused because for some people just sitting in front of their computer at home trying to work is way harder because you're not in an office. Yeah. You don't have the accountability of your boss walking up and down the hall making sure you're doing your shit, you yeah. know. Um, so I think it just depends on the person. But um, I know this client personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be a great strategy for you, Claudia. Uh, I know you handle stress really well. Um, you're intelligent about the stuff because you're training yourself. Uh, and I think it would be a really good strategy if it helps you stick to your calories. For sure. All right. Uh, next question comes from Alex Kluger. I'd love for you to discuss in detail the pros and cons of tracking all macros versus just calories or just calories and protein. Who could benefit from one versus the other? Is there any real difference? Especially during these quarantine times, what would you recommend? Of course, it would depend on the individual and the uh, particular goals I have, but I would like to know your thoughts on this. Yeah, I think that uh, I honestly never just track calories. Um at least not to a specific number. And here's why if somebody's track, if I, if I want somebody to just start at the first step, I don't even have a target. I'm like, Hey, I want you to track your calories just because I want you to learn how to track your food. I want you to have to read food labels. I want you to have to enter in the portion sizes. And I don't care if you eat 1500 calories or 2000 calories a day, or if it goes back and forth right now, we're just trying to get in the habit of actually recording what you eat. And then I have more data. So like step one is just tracking calories, but not paying attention to how many calories you're consuming. And then if I'm giving specific target targets, I might start with uh, calories and protein or all macros, but I never just do calories. I never say, hey, hit 2,000 calories, don't worry about macros. And the reason for that is because uh, all studies done on calories showing that calorie deficits lead to fat loss also equate protein. So if we have a calorie deficit with the right amount of protein and then we have a calorie deficit with uh, fluctuating protein or just not even tracking protein, and let's say it ends up being too low, then the, the person with uh, the calorie deficit and adequate protein is going to get better results, both yeah. from a fat loss and a muscle maintenance perspective. Um, and they're probably going to be able to lose weight for longer without having to adjust calories. The person who's not tracking protein probably is under consuming protein and they're not getting as much out of their calories because protein cannot be stored as fat. So eating more of your calories from protein is going to have that benefit of like, we just know that it's not going to fat. Number two, it's going to help recovery and maintain muscle. Number three, it's going to keep satiety up. Um, so if we take away that factor, I think calories are much less useful. But what we do know is that if protein and calories are equated, carbs and fats can be up or down. It doesn't really matter as long as you're hitting your calories. So for a lot of individuals, um, I will go calories and protein. Um, and the only, when I do that, I'm doing that because they don't have a ton of experience with tracking. So I might not want to go, Hey, we're starting out your diet. You're going to track protein, carbs, and fat and calories. Here's your refeed days. Here's a nutrient timing breakdown. And here's the supplements I want you taking every day. They're like, Whoa, dude, that's like so many things. I've never even, what is protein? (laughs) I don't even know. So for those individuals, what I'm doing is saying, Hey, like, I just want you to track calories and protein eat however many meals a day you want. Don't worry about hitting the macros on the dot. Like don't worry about hitting the calories on the dot. Just get in these ranges. Let's just just start slow. And then you build from there for other individuals, which is a lot of the people that come to us, they already kind of track and know we'll jump right into full macros because I think there is more value inside of that. Um, if somebody just wants weight loss, then tracking calories and protein is fine. If somebody wants fat loss, which is different, 
then I'm, I'm more inclined to track all macros because if you want fat loss, that means that you want to look more muscular because you want less fat, more muscle. You want weight loss. It's completely different. You don't care about how you look. You just want to be smaller, maybe healthier. But if we want to target specifically fat loss, that means we're maintaining muscle mass and performance and strength while, and hormones for that matter, while eliminating body fat. For that goal, especially aesthetically driven, I'm probably going to have more protein, a little bit more carbs, a little bit less fat. Um, if somebody is more sedentary and or insulin resistant and just doesn't do well with carbs, I might have less carbs, more fat. But I'm going to change the ratio of carbs and fats depending on the individual, depending on their activity, depending on their goals, depending on their sleep patterns, um, depending on if they're male or female, if they're 20 years old or 50 years old. Um, there's so many factors that come into it that I don't think just tracking calories and protein do enough. I mean, at the end of the day, the full spectrum of macros is literally a tool to individualize your calories. Um, so what you do with the calories you have is going to dictate the results you see with those calories. Um, so I'm much more inclined to track everything if I can, and then I'll pull back and just do calories and protein for somebody who's like a beginner. Um, and if I'm just doing calories, it's because I just want somebody to track for a couple of weeks just for us to learn how to track and get some data, sure. but we're not hitting a certain number. Um, but that's it. I mean, anybody who works with us, you're almost always going to get numbers. You're going to get specifics because what we do is teach average individuals advanced strategies. So we're going to show you how to do these things without being overwhelmed and understand how to periodize it. Um, but that doesn't happen from me just saying, hey, just, you know, eat clean. Just try your best. Like, yeah. That's that's not going to – like habits are great. Help the client. Yeah. I think habits are great, but I think that – and some people you can't jump all in on with all these numbers and advanced strategies and tactics and all these things that kind of confuse people. But at the end of the day, like if you're going to get coaching and you're going to commit to a goal, like be ready to see some change. Like do something different and use tools. Like you're not going to see dramatic changes if you want to take the easy route, yeah. right? So I think there is some uh, benefit to being – using the, the more – complex quote-unquote uh strategies but but yeah does that mean that absolutely answer the question yeah that was great all right we'll go to the next one it's gonna be uh i'm gonna guess it's sonia or sonia sonia only reason i say that is because i have i know two other people named sonia and there's a silent j in sonia but oh is there not in that one no it says s-o-n-i-a oh Anyway. I just guessed on you. Maybe right. Uh, thoughts on eating most of macros at night due time due to longer workouts during this period of time. Thoughts on eating most of macros at nighttime due to longer workouts during this period of time. Got it. Due to longer workouts. That's surprising. Usually people are not working out for longer. Yeah. During right now. So maybe she has access to a gym. Um, hmm. Thoughts on eating most calories at night due to longer workouts? I don't think that's very applicable, to be honest with you, because unless you're training first thing in the morning, like fasted, there's really no use in that. Because at the end of the day, I think people forget that nutrients and food is not broken down and digest like that. Like, yes, like when you have carbohydrates before you work out, you will get some carbohydrates that go into your blood glucose and like rise your blood glucose levels, help you with some muscle glycogen. But more often than that, like you already have stored muscle glycogen. You already have stored calories. You already have stored liver glycogen. Those are the things that are going to fuel your workout. So if you eat 30 minutes before or an hour before or, or not at all, like you're still going to have fuel. Like I don't recommend fasted training just because of stress levels, but um, I don't see the, the value in eating all your calories at night for the reason being that 
you need nutrients throughout the day to perform in all your daily habits and actions and, and tasks, not just training. I yeah. mean, just thinking and working and talking and moving in general, you need food for, you need nutrients for, um, to optimize muscle protein synthesis, recovery and stress management. You need constant feedings throughout the day. So just having more of your calories at night might not facilitate that to the best ability. Um, there's some studies on chrononutrition showing that actually eating more of your calories in the morning is actually going to be better for, uh, health and performance and aesthetic goals. Um, so I might say like, eh, don't eat all your calories at night, put them all in the morning. Cause that's probably going to even be more beneficial. Mm, um, I also think that if you do too much of that, it can cause uh, some like triggered responses for eating. So if you're putting most of your calories at night, it can it's kind of a double-edged sword. For some people who have a sweet tooth or cravings or binge at night, it's better to put calories there because you have more room to be flexible, right? For other individuals, that encourages a binge. So if I'm like, hey, eat most of your calories at night and that causes your brain to want more and more and more and you end up snacking on some bullshit and going over your calories, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, but for some people that helps because they're like, Hey, like my wife cooks every night. She likes to, you know, cook with oils and stuff like that. I need more calories for night. Perfect. Put more calories at night. It's helpful for social events, but it's all a personality type thing. Like, do you have that addictive personality or do you have issues binging? Um, but that being said, simple answer. I don't think there's any, uh, actual benefit to putting most of your calories at night unless it helps you adhere to the diet. Copy. All right, so next one comes from Stephanie Donnelly. When working on mobility or, or Donnelly, Donnelly. What did I say, Donnelly? Yeah, I don't, I Dude, don't I'm know. Terrible. I'm guessing it's Donnelly, but I know somebody named something Donnelly. Just like Sonia. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> when working on mobility or active recovery, <laughs> is it better to stretch first then foam roll, or foam roll then stretch? Mm. Does it even matter? I think you might be splitting hairs here, yeah. but if I had to put one before the other, I'd put foam rolling before stretching. Um, the That's the first thing I do. Yeah, I would. The, the the reason being is because uh, I'm not a huge foam roll guy. Like I don't think it's super valuable. Um, I use it on my thoracic spine because it pops my spine and it kind of mobilizes my spine. But I don't. I'm not a big like foam roller guy. I think if you get a little cross ball and you need to dig into like your glute or shoulder area, that can be helpful. But essentially what you're doing is, is loosening and softening up the tissue. Um, you might gain a little bit more range of motion and mobility. And that's what studies show is like temporarily, if you foam roll, you might relieve tension and actually gain range or gain mobility. So I might be able to more comfortably sit into a deep squat if I foam roll my quads and hip flexors and glutes first. Um, so knowing that the goal of stretching is to hold extended ranges of motion, right? Go into your most extended range with the muscle and hold it there and stretch the muscle. It'd probably be best to foam roll first because then you can extend that range of motion more while you stretch, while you stretch it. Yeah. You get more out of the stretch. Um, I also think that you should probably keep stretching for post-workout. So don't do this pre, you can foam roll a little bit, uh, pre-workout, uh, but I would probably stretch post. I think the perfect routine, honestly, is a little bit of foam rolling, go into mobility after that, and then stretching is after the workout. So it goes foam roll, mobility, actually train, and then stretch afterwards. Um, the reason for that is because stretching can reduce strength by like, I think the exact percentage was like 30 to 35%. So you can see a strength drop um, pretty significant if you stretch like static stretching too much. Um, there's been more studies so that, that I might've butchered that percentage, but basically if I sit here and stretch my hamstrings for, 
you know, minutes on end, and then I try to go do RDLs. It's going to fatigue them. It's going to fatigue them. I yeah. mean, you're literally stretching the muscle fibers, which is breaking them down. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to have poor performance after that, which takes away from your gains. So I think if you foam roll a little bit and then do mobility, you're going to extend range of motion, and then you're going to, like, warm up your joints. And then you can train harder at better form with better form, better execution at a deeper, fuller range of motion across all lifts. And then afterward, you can stretch because stretching is fatiguing. But there is a hypertrophic response to stretching. And I think people forget about that. Like part of the reason why an RDL is such a beneficial exercise to grow your hamstrings is because you're stretching the muscle under load. Well, what do you think happens when you stretch your hamstrings afterwards? Like it's not under load, but you're still stretching. And there's actually studies that show people who implement intraset stretching. So like do an RDL and then stretch, do an RDL, then stretch. You might not be able to lift as heavy, but you might have a little bit more hypertrophy because you're extending that period of time where you're stretching the muscle for sure um and you're lengthening out the muscle for better range of motion so i am a fan of stretching but i think it's best post-workout and then geared towards the muscles uh you just worked so that you can more than anything just build more muscle um but yeah i do i mean i do all my stretching and mobility in the morning away from all my training just because it's part of my morning routine so i go through like some dynamic stretching which is like a combination of mobility and stretching just because I just feel better. Like it just wakes At me home. up in the morning. Yeah, I just do it in the morning in front of the fire. Listen to audiobook and just do go through like ten minutes of mobility and stretching. Um, just because for me, like I need to keep working on my ankles and hips to make sure my knees don't get injured again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that's probably how I'd approach it. Dope. Foam roll, mobility, stretch afterwards. All right. Uh, next one. It's from David Dennis. I'm pretty sure i got both those right <laughs> i think i can pronounce those <laughs> what's your opinion on keto for someone with hpa axis dysfunction not a fan not at all your opinion on keto for them yeah because so keto i mean most people listening this probably know keto is a ultra high fat diet so if we look at real keto it was an ultra low carb diet same, same thing oh. but well not the same thing not uh so a low carb diet would be Kind of like Atkins diet was the first low-carb diet. But a low-carb diet is just bringing carbs down. Um, a keto diet is bringing fats extremely high. So the difference is, is like, okay, going on a low-carb d- diet can work for fat loss because it creates a calorie deficit. That's it. So if you went on a high-carb diet with dropping your fat, you're still creating a deficit. You're going to see the same results. And they've done this. They take two groups. One goes low-carb. One goes low-fat. Calorie deficits in both groups, protein is equated, same result, doesn't matter. Um, The argument made here is when they do it on athletes and bodybuilders, the people who go on the low-fat diet maintain more muscle mass, so it's arguably a better approach for fat loss, not just weight loss. Um, But nonetheless, there's a difference there, right? Low-carb is just bringing carbs down. Keto is bringing carbs down but bringing fats way up. Mm. So a real keto diet is about 70 to 80% fat. Uh, 10 to 20% car, uh, protein and then like 5% carbs, whatever's left. So basically you're eating like way, depending on the person, some people can get away with like a hundred grams of carbs, but other people's like 50 grams. Like you're literally eating spinach and some veggies, like no fruit, no, um, very little fruit, if any, no starch, no sweet potato, no rice, no bread, no nothing. Um, it's strictly protein and fat and it's mainly fat so a real keto diet is actually low protein as well because what you're trying to get your body to do is produce ketones which comes from fats 
if you can produce ketones, your body switches the fuel source it's using to function. Yeah. So your brain function, your uh, clarity, your thinking, your walking, your moving, your training. Um, you go through this period of time where you go through what they call keto flu. You feel like shit. And it's because your body doesn't know – it doesn't have any energy. And yeah. it doesn't know how to produce ketones yet. So it takes – some people, it's a couple weeks. Some people, it's a couple months. Um, once you get into ketosis, most people say that they feel really good. They feel really clear. They have a lot of energy. The problem here is that uh, studies show muscle growth is less. So, again, if, if our goal is building muscle or lo- losing fat and maintaining muscle or just having an aesthetically pleasing body, um, a keto diet is probably not the best because studies show that people perform better on average and uh, maintain muscle better with carbohydrates being in sufficient amounts on their diet. Interesting. Um, so – what do I think about a keto diet with HPA axis dysfunction? The problem here is that we know two things. Number one, carbohydrates spike insulin, which blunts cortisol because they have an inverse relationship, which means if we eat carbs, we're less likely to have chronically elevated cortisol. So for people who are constantly stressed out, I'm probably going to bring carbs up so we can keep their cortisol and stress levels down. HPA axis dysfunction is, a, is a, otherwise known like adrenal fatigue. HPA axis dysfunction is like the medical term. Yeah. Um, this is where your adrenals are literally dysfunctional, which means that your cortisol is overdriven, your adrenaline's too high, and you're stressed the fuck out. You have horrible energy. You're, you're constantly tired and wired. Um, you're in a really bad state. It's like the ultimate state of, of under-recovery. So the last thing I want to do is take away all your carbs yeah. because your carbs are going to help you recover. And then if we look at protein, protein has a, a huge recovery component of it as well. So we're taking basically both the nutrients that cause the most recovery for you away from you while you're in the most under-recovered state that your body can possibly be in, which is adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysfunction. Um, so I think it's a horrible idea. Honestly, I don't same with intermittent fasting. There's just no reason for it. I think keto diets only really work for individuals who have medical issues that require them to be on keto. Um, there's some like, you know, types of cancer or multiple sclerosis and diseases and things like that. Um, uh, autoimmune diseases that benefit from ketos because uh, keto diets, because, uh, that particular disease might actually manifest or grow or be fueled by glucose and carbohydrates. So taking away carbohydrates and just being on fat is probably a better bet. Um, but if somebody's goal is just fat loss, if somebody's goal is strength, if somebody has stress related issues like this, it doesn't really apply. So if you have a disease, if you are sedentary, so you don't train, but you need to lose weight, it could work because you don't need protein and carbs really at that point because you're not training and you don't really care about being muscular. You just want to like, let's say you're overweight and you just need to lose weight to be healthy or or get rid of diabetes or stop being pre-diabetic, then keto might be a great route for you. Um, I'm just not a big fan of it for athletes or for anybody who has high stress in their life. For sure. You said, uh, you mentioned you wouldn't recommend intermittent fasting for people, somebody that has HPA. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Uh, all right. So on to the next one, which is a two part question. It's going to be, I'm going to guess name two is Anya. Yep. Anya. I know somebody else named Anya with A N J E E. Mm. So, I think this one's what A N J A. Yep. Yep. She's been a member of ours for a while. Anja. No, Anya Civic. First question is: What do you do when the ninety-day habits ended? What did you do? What What did What did you do when the ninety-day habits ended? Set new ones. Set out a fresh tracker. Mine are ending in a week, and I kind of don't want to stop tracking those. It makes my day. I hope this episode airs before. 
your 90 day outcomes end. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Anya is, I believe from Slovenia. Maybe reach I think out that's to where her she let lives. her know we answered it. Yeah. Um, I think it should be because she posted that yesterday, which okay. means next Friday, this will air, um, which is today if you're listening. Um, so what I do when the 90 day outcomes, so the way I, I kind of run these is basically I have a set of 90 day outcomes and then I usually take a full week off. I, I kind of, I call it like a deload. Uh, I just don't focus so much on chasing something. Yeah. It's just nice to kind of take a break and go, okay, like I'm going to, and actually this time it actually worked well. I actually deloaded training too. It was like, I'm going to deload training. I'm going to deload stress. I'm going to do de- like, you know, just, just meditate a little bit more. I'm not going to worry so much about business. I'm not going to take as many calls. Like it's purposely just like, let's tone down a little bit and just create clarity um, and appreciate what I built over the last 90 days. And then I attack it again. Um, and that's basically like just the pattern. It's like 90 day outcomes at the end, you have a week to deload review, you know, like what did you accomplish? What habits stuck? What habits were actually powerful? Cause sometimes you do 90 day outcomes, you get to end, you're like, that didn't really affect me. Like I thought it would, I thought it was going to have this profound positive effect and the habit just didn't mean much to me. Um, so you kind of get to the end and you can review and go, okay, what did I like? What didn't I really like? Or, or what was useful? What didn't really matter? Um, and what do I want next? And then you have a week to kind of think and create clarity and then you just start again. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, certain habits, the point of a habit tracker inside of 90 days outcomes is really just to make sure that you're doing the things required in order to get to the end goal. So usually you start with a goal and then you say, what habit is associated with accomplishing that goal? Let me create a habit tracker for however many times per week I need to do that habit to get there. Um, by the end of 90 days, hopefully that habit is just a habit now and you don't need that habit tracker. You don't need to check off a box to do it because you just do it. Um, other times, uh, you might have to repeat it because the only way you're going to do it is if you have some form of accountability, which that's how it is with me with those morning mobility sessions. I need those. But if I don't have like a goal set of like how many days I'm going to do a week or like right now I have my morning routine goal where it's like, I have to do all these things for 90 days straight. And every time I fuck up, I start at day one again. So this is like the the most serious 90-day outcomes I've ever done. And I had to restart this week because this weekend, I on Saturday, I missed my meditation and I missed my mobility. And I was and it's hard for me on the weekends because Saturday is the only day I sleep in. And then I wake up and I come downstairs and it's like dad mode, right? And I'm just on. And then as soon as Blakely goes down for a nap, I race to the gym so I can get a workout in, come home, and, I'm, and it's dad mode again. So I just forgot to do it. And then I woke up the next day and I was like, fuck. And I had to erase the habit tracker, start on day one again. But my goal is like 90 days straight of meditating every day, um, a very specific journal practice I'm doing every single day, mobility every single day. Um, when I did my habit tracker for mobility the first time, I crushed it. And the second that mobility habit tracker ended, I stopped doing it. Yeah. It just slowly faded away. And then I was like getting knee pain. I was like, fuck, I got to get back to this. So I think for some of the habits, you just got to realize like, hey, this is just going to have to be part of your morning routine that you track because otherwise you're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, so I have a checkbox that's like morning routine. I have to do it every day. Uh, and yeah, otherwise I think it's just like, it becomes a habit. You don't need to worry about it anymore. For sure. You know, she had a second question. Second question is if working out first thing in the morning, is it a good idea to have your biggest meal the night before calorie and carb wise? And does that go hand in hand with, with when to implement a refeed day? I think we, we kind of answered this on that, that other question. Yeah. Um, I, I think 
it can be helpful. If you're working out really, really fucking early, then four. probably, yeah, like four or five in the morning and you don't want to eat first, then yeah, it could probably be pretty helpful. Um, but I think there's also the argument of like, as long as you're not in a deficit, I don't think it matters. If you are in a deficit, timing nutrients like this becomes much more important because you have less calories to play with and therefore how you use those calories is going to dictate your performance, your recovery way more than if you were at maintenance or a surplus. So if you're at maintenance or a surplus, you don't really need to worry about it because you're getting enough calories on a daily basis to make sure that all your energy levels are fine. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't worry about it. Um, And if you're not in a deficit, I would probably still have something before because you could just slam a shake. Like you could have a whey protein shake with a banana or a whey protein shake with highly branched cyclic dextrin in it 30 minutes before your workout or like during your warm up. Like you're going to be totally fine. It's it's going to benefit your recovery and you have calories to play with. If you're in a deficit, I wouldn't waste the calories because you want to utilize your calories for food you actually enjoy (laughs) instead of a shake. Um but yeah, I think you're kind of splitting hairs. I think if, if you're in a deficit, I think there is some value in having a, a big carb slash protein meal at night. If you are not in a deficit, I don't think it matters as much. Copy. All right. Um, back. I think this is the last question. Uh, it goes, no, it's not my fault. This one's from Teresa Gillen. My alarm goes off by 4.45, and I typically like to be dressed and hitting my workout by 5.15. Yeah, I'm popping right out of bed. <sighs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> this doesn't leave me hardly any room to get a pre-workout meal in, and lately I've been feeling famished by the end of my workouts. Given this short time frame, before my workout begins, what would you suggest to do? I mean, that's basically what I just answered, right? Yeah. Like, I would probably have a shake. Yeah. Um... I think it depends too. Like if, if your goal isn't fat loss, I'd be like, well, maybe you just need to increase your calories. Um, if uh, your goal is fat loss and you're a deficit and you can't increase calories, I probably would place most of your calories the night before. Um, if you're at maintenance or surplus and you can afford a little bit more calories, I would have a, a whey protein with 20 to 25 grams of whey protein and get whey protein isolate. So there's like basically zero fat and maybe one gram of carbon there. That way it's just like pure protein. Um, it's just going to digest easier and faster and then put some highly branched cyclic dextrin or some dextrose in there or have some form of carbohydrate, even if it's a banana. Um, I even had clients that, what time does she say she trains? 5.15. Okay, that's pretty fucking early. Um, I've had clients that train at like 5.30 to 6, but they still have to wake up and drive to the gym. Yeah. And we'll pre-make a shake the night before. So you put like a quarter cup of oats, a full banana, and a scoop of whey. And you're getting a little bit of starch, a little bit of banana, like uh, fruit. So you got your fructose and your glucose, which is going to help your liver and your muscle glycogen, multiple glucose transporters, and you get your protein. Um, it fills you up, but it doesn't leave you lethargic. Um, and the good thing about that too is that you don't have to rush to a, a post-workout meal or shake because those nutrients are still going to be digesting by the time you finish your workout. So it kind of actually supports your energy and your recovery. So it's like a pre and post if you really think about it. Um, and a lot of people don't think about that because what they eat pre is just pre. Yeah. But if you're only working out an hour and you eat 30 minutes before, that food is still digesting. Those amino acids are still floating around your bloodstream. You're going to be fine. That's why you don't need to rush to a meal. Um, but that's what I would do. I would just make it the night before. That way you do get it because most people, if you're lifting weights, you're going to feel better with a little bit of calories in you. So even if it's a, a quarter cup of oats is like not that much carbs at all. It's like 20 grams of carbs. And then a banana is 20. So you're getting 40 grams of carbs right there, which is a good amount. Protein, 20 grams, 25 grams. It's enough calories to get you through it. Yep. You know, a couple hundred calories. For sure. So that's probably what I would do. 
All right, now we have a last question. All right, so this one is from S. Burks 32. It says, top three movies and top three sh- TV shows L- ever. Ever. I love the personality questions. I don't know about ever, but this is for e- for us personally. I put ever. Oh. <laughs> he, he didn't put ever, but I was like, I'm going to put ever. <laughs> um, all right. Top three movies. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's like I copied this over. I should have thought about what my movies are, but I didn't. Yeah. Um, I can say top three shows for sure. Let's do shows and then we'll do movies. Okay. Uh, shows, I don't know if I can put these in order, but definitely top three. Lost is definitely in there. Have you ever seen Lost? No. So fucking good. It's, I, honestly, that's probably my number one. I don't one. watch TV, so. Dude, it's so good. Yeah. It's on, uh, I think it used to be on Netflix, but it's old. I mean, it's like 2003. Yeah. But um, really good. So I love Lost. I've watched it twice all the way through. Um, Sons of Anarchy, for sure. Great show. Have you seen that one? Nope. Oh, dude, you got to watch that. <laughs> Your fan base is going to get pissed at me. It's sick. I haven't seen anything. Um, <laughs> I had to convince Shannon to watch Lost, but she was happy to watch uh, Sons of Anarchy. She likes Jax. Um, <laughs> most, most women do. Uh, one it's actually one of the characters, obviously. Yeah, he's like the the blonde, sexy biker dude, like uh, the main character, the bad boy. Yeah, she likes uh, Lil Wayne, and then a blonde guy. She doesn't actually like Lil Wayne, but she trust me, okay. she doesn't like Lil Wayne. Um, she doesn't even listen to Lil Wayne. That's yeah. why I never understood that joke yeah. she used to make to us. It used to drive me crazy. That was when we first met, too. Um, anyway, uh, Lost, Sons of Anarchy, and. Breaking? Seinfeld? Oh, well, yeah, but I'm I'm thinking <laughs> What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, but I'm thinking like a, That's a, a I know, but I'm thinking like a story. I'm for some reason in my head I was like cuz I was going to say Breaking Bad because Breaking Bad's such a good story. Oh. Lost is a really good story. Some yeah. Anarchy is a really good story. Seinfeld's about nothing. There is no story. Well, all my TV shows are going to be absolutely nothing. Okay. We'll get a family guy and shit like that. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean Seinfeld's probably the most watched show I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so it's definitely up there. So yeah, I'd probably put Lost and Anarchy and Seinfeld. For sure. Never seen Breaking Bad either. But Breaking Bad, I, I was resistant to it because I was like, I don't want to watch like drugs and junkies. Yeah. Like it just sounds like anarchy. Yeah, but it's a different kind of um it just if you watch Breaking Bad, you'll know what I'm talking about. You you just kinda get this like grimy feeling. Oh, yeah. Uh but once you get into it you realize like it's such a the crazy story. Yeah. We're watching uh Better Call Saul now, and which is a spin off of Sons Anarchy. Or I mean uh Breaking Bad. So in Breaking Bad, the drug dealers, their lawyer is Saul Goodman and uh he, they made a spin off show about him like becoming a lawyer and getting into that. So it's like pre Breaking Bad. It's funny. Hmm. Um and it's hilarious because his name is Saul Goodman. He changes his name to that so he can tell his clients afterwards going, Saul Good, man. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Uh, I was cracking up, but those are my three. Well, you, Sons of Anarchy, Lost, Seinfeld. Seinfeld, okay. Uh, man, this is. I mean, I like some weird, just some weird shows. I'm gonna say Family Guy because I watch it religiously way too much every night. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, a sh- definitely a show about nothing. Yeah, gonna, it is funny though. It's yeah. hilarious. Shannon is not a fan, so we don't watch it. But yeah, no. Josephine's not either. Uh, I would have to say Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds is great. Yeah, Shannon got me into that, and then once we had Blakely, she was like, "I won't watch it anymore." Like she just got freaked out. Yeah, but to me, real like real I mean, situations. Yeah, and they're real stories. Like they're based on true stories. Yeah, 
But that's a good. It is a good show. Yeah. Really good show. I don't know any uh, other ones. I've had some ones I've watched religiously, but like uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, I did a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Um. Wow, well, I guess I'm not gonna go with that one because I can't remember. Right now. <laughs> uh, with. You're fucking out. Um, with who? Uh, never mind. I'm gonna go with like workaholics or something. I'm what thinking. Was, <laughs> what was the other I one? can't remember the guy's name. Pineapple Express. And he's a pitcher. Seth Rogen? No, 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 no. Oh, uh, Dan- Eastbound. Yes, yes, yeah, Eastbound in town. Yeah, dude. yeah. Oh my god. I actually haven't watched that show, but I've heard it's really funny. Oh, it's out of control. Yeah, it is out of control. Like workaholics, Eastbound and Down, um, Trailer Park Boys. Those are the shows I watched. Yeah, it's just, just, just stupid, stupid humor. And he, he, oh my god, so funny. Okay, I like. See, I I have to have a good story. I have to get yeah, invested no. into something. Uh, that completely first fifteen minutes of the first episode, I'm out. Yeah, hate it. Oh, that's funny. Um, Entourage, hate it. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Entourage either. I feel like it's overhyped. I think it's cool because it's Mark Wahlberg. I don't like, even know why story. I say I hate it. I've never seen it, but <laughs> it has a story, so yeah. I don't like it. There you go. <laughs> I like uh, Bosch is really good. It has really good reviews on Amazon. That's an Amazon Prime show. Bosch. Bosch. It's yeah. like uh, it's about two de- two detectives in Hollywood. Yeah. Really dude, good. Dude, I love documentaries. Those aren't shows. Or like, but they do some documentaries. Dude, I've been doing those. A lot, those have a story. Yeah. But it like. You can actually learn something. Oh, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, let's do movies. Did you watch the Tiger King? Yeah. I haven't seen it. Shannon yeah. was like obsessed with it. She keeps trying to get me to watch it. And I'm like, I don't want to watch this f- dude. Like, yeah. You might not like it, but it is. It's insane. not good. It's in, it's amazingly mind-blowing. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah, she told me this the plot or the story, and I'm just like, what? That's a thing? Like, that happened? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. But I don't, I don't need to see it. Like, thanks, it, for, it's not the, thanks for telling me. Yeah, it's not the concept of it. Like, yeah, there's animal cruelty. And stuff, you just can't believe that it actually happened. It's not one thing. I know. Like, there's uh, so many things in this story yeah. that keep going off the walls. Yeah. Yeah. She Yeah, she told me quite a bit about it. And I was like, well, now I know. And I'm going to watch it. I, I, don't, I think it's definitely worth a watch just to say what the hell. The, anyway. the reason that if it was a movie, I would, but the fact that it's like, hey, just 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 give it a shot, just watch it for six weeks. You know what I mean? You have to watch all the episodes. It's like There's six episodes. You don't watch one episode a week. I know, but I'm not. Gonna I watch, watch it in two days. Oh yeah, yeah. but I, didn't, I don't binge either. But they're only thirty minutes. Right? Yeah. All right. Uh, top three movies. Yeah, I'll go first. Happy Gilmore, Dumb and Dumber, and uh, I'm gonna just go with like. Anchorman, huge comedy guy, dude. That's all I you. Hate. Ca- that's all you care about. Yeah, I just want to laugh. Yeah. Or YouTube. I mean, <laughs> just Joe Rogan. That's yeah. my favorite yeah. show. Easily. I mean, it's kind of a TV show. Yeah. Um, it's two hours long. Yeah. It's a movie. Yeah. No shit. Um, great movies though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Adam Sandler had some fucking classics. Yeah, but I mean, have you been seeing Joe Rogan's been posting all the Adam Sandler movies he's watching? And I'm like, man, because basically. One. Well, no, he did that with his daughter. He was like, me and my daughter every night have been watching an Adam Sandler movie while in quarantine. So they oh. watch a different Adam Sandler movie, and he's been posting like his favorite Adam Sandler movies. And you're like, man, those are classics. I forgot about oh, that. I only saw when he posted about Happy Gilmore. Uh, he post- posted about like uh, – he was talking about how like the Zohan one is like underrated. and Oh, my gosh. Himself. Yeah, the barber. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I forgot about that one. Um, okay. Top three movies. 
Just three favorite movies. Yeah. Um, Lawless is is one of mine for sure. Lawless is sick with Tom Hardy and uh, who's the guy that says, uh, just do it. Do it. Oh, I don't know. He was in uh, uh, Leave it to Beaver. Was that that show? (laughs) We're such different people. Is it even Stevens? He was in Holes. Malcolm in the Middle? No, Holes. Remember that movie Holes? I do. The camp that they... Yeah, no, I do, yeah. That that one guy. Oh, what is his name? It's going to drive me crazy. No idea. Tom, you know who Tom Hardy is? He played Bane in Batman. Yeah. Regard with the mask. Yeah. Um, Lawless is sick. It's, a, it's about a true story. It's about moonshiners back in the day. And they're basically like they sell alcohol in the Great Depression. Cool. Or the... Uh, prohibition yeah and they're just like they're just like cowboy gangsters and just like run the town it's dude it's dope i've watched it a couple times um that's definitely up there american history x that's a good movie it's not in my top three but it's good yeah that's a good movie um i probably would put uh i'm tempted to put dodgeball like i think dodgeball is hilarious Ben Stiller is Anchorman. funny. Anchorman's up. Actually, no, neither one of those. Step Brothers. Step Brothers. Step Brothers are. I was gonna say that, but we just watched that two days ago, and yeah. it, it was incredible. Yeah. But Anchorman has so many better one-liners. Yeah. Out of yeah, it does. That's true. That's yeah. that's hard. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna put Step Brothers up there just because it's fresher in yeah. my mind. Um, and then I'm I'm American Gangster is probably one of my favorite. Denzel. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 American Gangster, Book of Eli, Man on Fire. He has so many fucking yeah, good movies. Man on Fire is out of control. Unbelievable. Yeah. He has so many – Equalizer. He has so many good yeah. movies. But I probably would say Inside American – Which one? Inside Man. Inside Man's great. The, the Brink Robbery. He's never had a bad movie. I've never seen a bad Denzel movie. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. He's one of those guys. Yeah. Um, I probably would put American Gangster up there. I really like gangster movies, so I love The Godfather. I love Scarface. I love – uh, American Gangster. I love uh, Peyton Full, Belly. Uh, Great movies. Yeah. Well, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street's not yeah. really gangster, but. It's not about like mafia type. Like, uh, wasn't just, that guy part of the mafia? No. He was just uh, a sleazy uh, <laughs> Wall Street investor that just hacked, like, he just yeah, hacked the system. Right. But that is a hilarious movie. Yeah. I saw that by myself in I theaters. guess Scarface is what I'm talking about. Yeah, Scarface is, is like Cuban gangsters. Yeah. Cuban Italian. He was just on Mike Tyson's podcast. Al Pacino. Yes, it was insane. The guy that was in Scarface. I believe so. Yeah. Or the guy that was in Wolf of Wall Street. No, 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 no. Okay. Scarface. The guy who was Wolf of Wall Street, the the real Wolf of Wall Street guy, was in on Drama's podcast. Yeah. Short story long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really good. Yep. It was a really good episode. I've watched his podcast a few times. Yeah, that's up there, man. That's a, that's a really good movie too. But I would, I would honestly, if I had to pick like top three, I might actually take away the funny ones because I like the story. I would go Lawless, Gladiator, and then American Gangster. Gladiator is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. we're just different people. Yeah, hundred percent. Have you seen Gladiator? Nope. Oh my god, that's like the best Russell Crowe movie ever. Who? Russell Crowe. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not a huge Russell Crowe fan, but oh, the Gladiator is amazing. I actually is Russell Crowe the the British guy? Oh, that's Russell Brand. What an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Completely different. Yeah. I'm not a big Russell Brand guy. Yeah. Not a big movie guy. Nope. That's a wrap. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. 
it still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.